How were the dead raised up? With what body do they come? Foolish one, don't you know, that a seed must die before it is made alive? That which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may perchance be of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. There is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. There are celestial bodies, there are bodies terrestrial, and the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, there is another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, raised in glory, sown in weakness, raised in power, sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was a life-giving spirit. Our name, the unchanging word, reflects the fact that the eternal word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour comes, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father has life in himself, even so gave he to the Son also to have life in himself. John chapter 5, verse 25 and 26. Dr. Mitchell continues our study in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 35 the fruitage of resurrection. And here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you and we rejoice in the privilege that is ours of again, uh, trying to bring to you the truth as revealed to us in the Word of God. We ever pray that the Spirit of God will make the truth very precious and very real to you. Not just a head knowledge of truth. Not that I am neg negating mental knowledge, what I'm after is that the truth will live in you. It's possible for one to have the mind filled with the text, with the knowledge of truth, and yet there'll be no heart in the truth. Or shall I put it the other way? The truth hasn't got a hold of your heart and your life. And this is what Paul is pleading for in this 15th chapter of Corinthians. It's declared to us at the beginning of the chapter, and I'm repeating it over and over again, because this is the bulwark, the foundation, shall I say, of our Christian faith. In the first 11 verses, he's been dealing with the fact that the gospel is guaranteed by the resurrection of Christ. And then we had the fact of the resurrection from verse 12 on. The, the marvelous fact that our Lord did rise from the dead. 
and you read from verse 12 right on down through to verse 26, where you have the negative and the positive side of it. If Christ be not raised from the dead, and by the way, lest someone may misunderstand me, when I talk about resurrection, I'm talking about physical resurrection. Did you hear me? I'm talking about physical resurrection. The body that was put on the cross and was put in the tomb. And believe me, the Romans made sure of his death and the Jews made sure of it. In fact, they made sure that that body would not leave the tomb for they sealed it and they set a watch and the stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to let you and me look in. It's empty, it's empty. No wonder the angels said to the women in Matthew 28, he's not here, come, see the place where he lay and go quickly and tell his disciples he's going to meet them in Galilee. This is the story from the book of Matthew. Here you have in 1 Corinthians. If he's not raised, we haven't a thing. I want you to get this very clear. Christ only died once for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, and so on. I'm quoting from 1 Peter chapter 3, by the way. He really put away our sins and guaranteed it by the resurrection from the dead. And God's purpose for the human race is guaranteed by our Savior in his resurrection. For he's going to bring everything under his feet. Everything. Nations, principalities, powers, everything is going to be under his feet. Satan, the false prophet, all under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And the marvelous thing, there's going to be a time when there'll be no more death. Everyone will be eternal. He's talking about his people. This is the hope the believer in Christ has. We shall see that when we come to the 51st verse of this chapter. And then from verse 27 on, we've been dealing with the effect of the re resurrection of Christ. We've already mentioned part of it. Our Lord's going to fulfill the whole purpose of God and then turn everything over to God, that God might be all and in all. And you find out, and then you have Paul bringing up, if Christ be not raised from the dead, what, what fools we are. If we preach that he was raised from the dead and he's not raised and we become martyrs, we, give, we lay down our lives for something that's not real. That's what he's talking about. And he goes on to say, be not deceived. Don't you be deceived one, one minute. Evil communications. What you get from these false philosophers, false teachers, will affect your life, will corrupt good manners, corrupt your life. Then the two things for which you and I are responsible who are Christians, awake to righteousness because we've been joined to a living, glorified Savior. Our lives ought to be different. I know you will agree with me on that. The very world expects that. The world can tell you how you should live. I remember I had only been a Christian about a month when a cursing, blasphemous boiler maker who came to me and asked me for the, to borrow some micrometers. And when he went to my drawer, my little chest, tool chest, when he picked open one of the drawers, I had a little testament in there. It was open, little army testament. 
the drawer wouldn't close with a testament close. So I used to open it up to what I wanted to read. And every time I open up my chest, get a tool, I'd pick up a verse. I'm thankful the Lord put in my heart the moment I was saved a real hunger for the word of God. I asked him for that. I asked him for that. He was very gracious and gave it to me, a hunger for the word of God. But that boilermaker came to my milling machine where I was working and he said, Mitchell, have you become a Christian? I said, yes, I have. Then he proceeded to tell me how he expected me to live. And I said, how do you know that? You told me things I haven't even known yet. Oh, he said, I've watched these Christians. He said, they're not real Christians. They were real Christians. They wouldn't do this and they wouldn't do that and they wouldn't go here and they wouldn't go there. And he proceeded to tell me, a cursing boilermaker, how I should live as a Christian. See, the world expects us to be different. God declares that we are different. Now awake to righteousness and sin not. I'm not saying you won't fail God. Don't misunderstand me. But I'll tell you, the more you realize you have a risen Christ, the more I realize I'm joined to a living Christ who's on the throne of God, who has all authority in heaven and in earth. And he tells you and he tells me to go forth and bear witness for him by our lives and by our witness. For some, says Paul, have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. I ended up with that in our last lesson, but I couldn't help but review some of it because it gets to my own heart. Mitchell, awake to righteousness. God grant that your life and my life will be transformed lives. This is what people need to see, a transformed lives. You know, if I may give a personal testimony, when I began to preach the gospel on the prairies of Canada, I used to ask the Lord to help me reach the worst man in the village, the worst man in the district. If I could reach him for Christ and have a transformed life, my, what an effect it would have on the community, the power of the gospel to transform sinners into saints, to transform wild men into children of God. May you and I live transformed lives, awake to righteousness and sin not. Many have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Right where you live, right where I live, there are so many who've got a distorted idea of the Savior. And whether it be by your word or be by your actions, may we reveal something of our precious Savior. For those of you who are sick and infirmed and in sorrow and affliction, and I know so many who are today, and as a, having been a pastor for a great many years, my heart goes out to you all who are tested and tried sometimes beyond measure. Your very attitude, the way you walk before God, will speak louder than all the preaching somebody else can do. I want to tell you, my friend, if you love the Savior, he loves you. And remember, you're joined to one who has authority over death and hell and the grave. Remember that. So we come back to this thing. The effect of the resurrection of Christ on a man's life transforms him. Now we come down to the footage of the resurrection in verses 35 to 50. The footage of the resurrection. 
Now, a question has been raised, verse 35. Some men will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Now, Paul, tell us that. How are the dead raised up? I take it from the, the way it's put here that this question has been raised. You remember, again, I come back to verse 12. How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? <laughs> and All right, if there's a resurrection, Paul, how are the dead going to be raised? And with what body, with what body do they come? And then he, he answers, thou fool. Now, that's a pretty strong word there. You could say you're ignorant or you're foolish. Don't you know that that which you sow is not quickened, is not made alive except it die? Then he goes on and uses uh, the illustration of nature concerning resurrection. Life comes out of death. This is true all down through the centuries. Life comes out of death. A mother goes down into the very bowels of death for her baby to be born. You throw seeds in the ground and they must die first and then they grow. You remember? First the leaf, then goes on up till you get the harvest. Look at How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? When a body is put into the, into the grave, it goes back to the dust. Now, how in the world is that body going to be raised? And somebody comes along and scatters the ashes or the dust of some bodies. Great many of down through the centuries have gone into their graves. They've laid in the grave and gone back to dust. Now, it's just this, how are the dead raised up? How can God do that? And with what body shall they come? I think the questions there are rather uh, cynical. I think Paul is answering these in the Corinthian church who have a question mark about the physical resurrection of our Savior and the physical resurrection of those who were dead. How were the dead raised up? With what body do they come? Foolish one, don't you know, that a seed must die before it is made alive, that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may perchance be of wheat or of some other grain, oats, barley, whatever it is. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Now let me just stop you for a moment. You take that verse 38, God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and of every seed his own body. Now we're dealing with a passage from verse 35 right on down through to verse 50. No man knows these things apart from the revelation of God. No philosophy in the world can explain death, resurrection, and what kind of a body is going to come up. If, you, if you're going to know it all, God's got to reveal it. Now listen to it. God hath given it a body as it hath pleased him. Verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. There is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. That's well, very simple. I'm a man. I have a flesh of men. I was born that way. 
I live a certain way. I have certain things that nobody else has. No other flesh has. There's nobody in the world like man. There's no creature in the universe like man. Did you hear me? God has given him a body as it hath pleased him. Take the beasts of the earth. They have a different flesh to man. They're different to man. Man didn't come from beasts. The impossibility of man coming from beasts. Why, Mr. Mitchell, don't you believe in the evolutionary hypothesis? No, of course I don't. No real scientist believes it either, and I'm not a scientist. But I know this one thing, when God made man, he made man in his own image, in his own likeness, and there's not another being in the universe like man. Not even angels. Did you hear me? Look at what man can do. Look at the, the capacity of man. Creates man. Man creates things. He does things. Animals don't do that. Angels don't do that. Why, do you mean you know more than angels? As far as the grace of God and redemption is concerned, yes. As First Peter 1 declares, the very angels of God desire to look into the things that are commonly reported among us today. Well, you know something. God hath given it a body as it pleased him. There's the flesh of men, there's the flesh of beasts, and other fishes. If you were to go into the domain of fish, you go down into water, you'll have to come up because you'll drown because you haven't got a body like a fish. You take a fish out of water and it'll die. It's a different kind of flesh. What about birds? I can flap my arms all I want to, but I, it doesn't raise my feet from the ground one inch. No. Different. Now he goes, he goes beyond that. Verse 40. There are celestial bodies. There are bodies terrestrial. There are bodies that are fit for eternal glory. And there are bodies that are limited to the earth. There are bodies in the heavens. There are bodies on the earth. And the glory of the celestial is one. And the glory of the earthly or the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, there's another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Mark this scripture. And the key is in verse 38. Now listen, it just takes a simple thing from nature. You put a corn of wheat or you put a a seed of wheat in the ground, it dies and it brings forth fruit. What does it bring forth? The same that was put in the ground. When you put a wheat seed in the ground, you don't get rye, you don't get barley, you don't get oats, you get wheat. You put a seed of barley in the ground and you get barley. If you put my body in the ground and it dies, what will be raised? the same as that which was in the ground, only transformed. He's raising the question in verse 35, how are the dead raised up? With what kind of a body do they come? The same kind of a body that was put in the tomb. 
Listen, friend, when Jesus died and was buried, he was put in the tomb. When he came forth from the tomb was the same body that was on the cross, but transformed from mortal to immortal, from limited to unlimited. Well, shall we know each other when we get on the other side? Are we all going to have the same thing? All going to be like Jesus? Yeah, but we're all going to be different too. When our Savior was raised from the dead, did the disciples know him? Of course he did. Listen, in the old Adam, I belong to Adam. I was born into the human race, in an Adam's race. All in Adam die. There's not another fellow in the world like Mitchell or like you. We all belong to Adam's race when we were born, but we're all different. I was born again. I became a member of Christ. I became joined to Christ. In Christ, I'm going to be made alive. I'll retain my personality just as you will. I will know you. You will know me. That's what he's talking about. There are celestial bodies. There are terrestrial bodies. See, what is that? There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. One star differs from another star in glory. These are celestial bodies. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, body of the flesh, raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body. That's what I'm living in now. Then I'm going to have a spiritual body, which is unlimited. So it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam. There's no more Adams. No more races. The last Adam was a life-giving spirit. Howbeit, that which was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. First man is of the earth earthy. Second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. As is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. As I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Ah, just a minute. Someone's going to say, there it is. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither corruption can inherit incorruption. Let me just say to you today, today I'm a body. I can't inherit eternal things unless my body is changed. So the very next verse says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. In other words, he's talking about this fact. Answering the question, how were the dead raised up? No problem about that. God's going to raise them. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. No question about that. Well, body will I have. I'll have a body just like his. This mortal shall put on immortality. This body is sown in dishonor. It's going to be raised in glory. It's going to be sown in weakness. It's going to be raised 
in power. You go on down from verse 42 right down to the end of verse 50. The change. I have a terrestrial body now. One of these days I'm going to have a celestial body. In my terrestrial body, I'm limited to the earth. In my celestial body, I'll have eternal glory ahead of me. You know, I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad of the guarantee of resurrection. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so shall we be raised from the dead by the glory of the Father and be made just like him. Which leads us into the next passage, verses 51 to the end of the chapter, which will be our next lesson. Before I close, may I ask a question? Am I talking to somebody who is not a Christian? My friend, if you've never taken Jesus Christ, the living, eternal Son of God, as your Savior, I press upon you to do so today. For now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. So I just pray that the Lord will make it real to you today and you accept Him as your own personal Savior. And believer in Christ, live in daily anticipation of seeing Him whom having not seen you love. It may be today. He may come today. And we can say with John, even so come, Lord Jesus. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. And our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word broadcast. Life begins at town.